So I begin my reading from the book of St. John, chapter 20, from verse 19 to 29, the Gospel of St. John, verse 19. So when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Amen. So as you see, my title today is Thomas the Doubter or Apostle. What will you be called? So who is Thomas? The Bible says very little about Thomas. It doesn't appear that much is known about him. And in my own research, I didn't even find out what he did as a trade, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. So not a lot is said about Thomas. And the only, only the Gospel of John records any of Thomas's actual words. Although his name is mentioned in each Gospel and also in the book of Acts chapter 1, there's a mention of him, but the only place where we know anything about what he said is in the book of John. It's thought that Thomas was a missionary who travelled and ended up being martyred or killed either in Persia or India at the end of his life. I mean, he's linked to a couple of stories in the Gospel of John. One of them causes a response that makes a scripture much quoted in our day and our age. So what about his appointment? The story of his appointment is told similarly in the books of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 to 19, and Luke 6, 12 to 16. So some of the disciples, there were more stories about them, the sons of thunder, how they were called, etc., but there's nothing really about Thomas. Luke 6, 12 says, 
One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So we see that Thomas was chosen by Jesus to be one of the 12. So he was called by the Lord. So let's look again at the text. As we know, Jesus appears to his disciples in verse 19, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So their master that they've been following for so many years dies, he's gone. And they're in fear of their lives as disciples and as followers of Jesus Christ. So the doors are locked. But Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. How would you feel? You're chatting away. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're angry. You're disappointed. He's gone. He's dead. It's over. And suddenly, he appears through a door that's closed. Is it a ghost? But those words, peace be with you, would have settled their hearts straight away. Another miracle that they see before them. And then he tells them about the power they have, the authority they have. And they're overjoyed when they saw him. When they saw him, they were overjoyed. And so we go on. Verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means a twin, apparently. I'm not sure if he was a twin or not. One of the 12, he's an apostle, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Why was he not there? He'd seen the miracles. He'd walked with Jesus, just like the others. Why wasn't he there that day? Was he disappointed? Was he depressed? After all, they were just human beings like we are today. Did he think, well, my hopes have died. My dreams have gone. It's over. Why? Is it because he witnessed his master being flogged and crucified? Did he feel down? I'm not going. I'm not going to talk to anybody. Do we get there sometimes? Do we feel like giving up? Do we become hopeless sometimes? We're human like him. We don't know for sure, but he wasn't there. So in verse 25, so after the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his hand, I'm not going to believe it. I don't believe anything you're saying. What was it like for you when somebody first witnessed to you or you first heard the gospel message? What was your journey like? Thomas had been with Jesus, walked with him, seen the things that he was doing. But we haven't, have we? I remember what led to my salvation. It was a journey of experiences that led me to the greatest experience of my life. 
I was a young girl, and I was given a Bible by my mum, the King James Version, so I didn't understand it <laughs> when I tried to read it. At the age of 20, I remember being given a tract by a young man on the streets. I read it, but it didn't really mean anything to me. But I was on a journey to Christ. And then one year, there was a weekly showing of um, Jesus of Nazareth. And they showed it for six weeks, the whole story of Jesus leading up to an Easter. It's the first time it was shown on TV. And something was happening to my heart as I watched the narrative of the story of Jesus Christ that I had not really heard before. And then a while later, a gospel concert where I finally gave my life to Christ. Do you remember your own journey? Different to Thomas's, isn't it? Because we've not seen him. But something has made us believe, as Jesus said. And we know that Thomas did believe in Christ. But in his human mind, could he now believe that Jesus was still alive after he saw him crucified? He was left with a dilemma. What was that week like before he joined the other disciples? Do I believe? Do I not believe? Are they lying to me, these men I've been walking with for three years, along with Jesus Christ? Why are they coming and telling me a lie? And how many times do we go over and over and over again with lies in our minds that we take on and that we believe. I'll tell you a little story. I um, had a belief one time that there was a young lady in this congregation and she didn't like me because she used to stare, she used to stare at me a lot. And she would keep staring at me, staring at me. And I just got it in my head that she didn't like me. After about a year, see how you can live in a lie for a long time? Am I the only one? I had a dream on a Saturday night, and the dream was that she came to me, and she was chatting, and in the dream, I'm like, I don't want to be her friend, but I became her friend, and everything was nice. On the Sunday morning, I was driving to this church, and... Um, I began to argue with the Lord. Um, I don't know why you gave me that dream, but I'm not going to talk to her because she doesn't like me and I don't want to upset her or get her, you know, annoyed. And that Sunday evening, she was there in the church. And at the end of the service, because she was sitting sort of over here, I made a beeline over there. <laughs> and I talked to a person... Oh, she's still sitting there talking to someone. So I found somebody else to talk to. Do you know, I talked to five people in the hope that I could ignore the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, saying to me, go and talk to her. So when I looked around, she was still there. So I decided to go and obey the Lord. And I just said to her, excuse me, can I have a word with you? I sat down and I said, and I thought, wow, isn't she beautiful? She's a beautiful lady. And I was, even then, you know, I've got this, I don't want to like her, Lord, because she doesn't like me. And I, I said to her, I just want to let you know that if there's anything I've done to offend you, I apologise. She said, offend me? She said, um, I watch you, and I have watched you for a long time. I'm very shy, 
and I see you praying for people, and I think that you're a very powerful woman. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit, not me. And she said, um, I'm quite shy, so I've never come for prayer. I said, oh. <laughs> she likes me. <laughs> but I believed the lie for a whole year. And then she said, I've been waiting to ask somebody to help me because I have dreams. And I need to know if they're from God or not. She needed help. I had a dream about her. And then there she was saying that she has dreams and she needed help. We became friends. But what dilemma was Thomas going through that week, believing the lies of the enemy as we do? That somebody doesn't like us, that something's gone wrong for a particular reason. What do we believe and what was Thomas thinking in that week? But for some reason or other, in verse 26, we find... A week later, his disciples are in the house again and Thomas is with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That must have shaken Thomas, seeing this um, person walking through a door that's closed. Not the others, because they saw it a week before, remember. How would you react? Before Thomas could react... Jesus said to him, put your finger here, see my hands. At that point, Thomas must have known it was the Lord. Not necessarily because he walked through the door, but because who told him what Thomas said? That I won't believe unless. The first thing he does as he walks through a door is address Thomas. Come and touch, come and feel. Know that I'm real. His eyes begin to open. Stop doubting, the Lord says, and believe. Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God, because his eyes have been opened at that point. He now knows who Jesus really is. He doesn't call him Messiah. He doesn't call him um, Son of God. He says, my Lord and my God, Jesus is God. That's the revelation that he has, and he declares it. The declaration that he makes is the very basis of our Christian faith, that Jesus is God. And it's what we believe that brings us to live out our salvation. He's God. So he doubted, and he's got that name, hasn't he? Hasn't he, Thomas the Doubter? Now, if you look at the four Gospels, you understand the emphasis of John's gospel. Matthew was speaking to the Jewish people. He was proving the long-awaited Messiah that had been prophesied had come. And so he was very much dealing with the Mosaic laws and speaking to Jews. The book of Mark was written predominantly for the Romans who were occupying at that time, and Mark was ministering to the Romans. The book of Luke was written for the Gentiles, the non-Jews, um, the Greek-speaking world as it was at the time. And Luke probably was not a Jew, but also a Gentile convert. But the, the Gospel of John, the emphasis is on the divinity and the deity of Jesus Christ. So John 1.1 1, 1 says, 
in the Amplified Bible, because it's my favorite. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not one thing made that has come into being. John begins with the deity of Jesus Christ as God, with God in the beginning, nothing created without him. The book of John almost ends with Thomas's declaration and an affirmation, my Lord and my God, the divinity of Jesus Christ is proclaimed throughout that gospel and God uses Thomas also to proclaim that. So is he a doubter? Is that his name? And then Jesus told him, as we said in verse 29, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, from our eyes, we would say, well, Thomas is the one who was blessed because he walked with Jesus. He touched him. He lived with him. He moved around with him. He saw the miracles. And we would say, oh, how blessed he was that he had firsthand experience with Jesus Christ. But Jesus says, those of us who have believed like many of us in here and many of you online today, but have not seen, you're blessed. You've believed, but yet you haven't seen, you're blessed. What about the reputation of Thomas? So he's got this reputation now, today, of being a doubter by the time the scriptures are found and they're going around the world. Throughout my Christian walk, that's the phrase I've heard, doubting Thomas. Thomas the doubter. Is that all he was? Is that all he was? A doubter? Is that the label that we would give him if today he was walking on the earth? Oh, there's that guy that doubted. I don't think so. And I don't think he would carry that label or wear it. After all, he was one of the original 12. He was chosen by Christ. Why don't people say that? Thomas the chosen by Christ. Yet there's this label attached to him that he's a doubter. Did anything else stand out about him? What happened to him next? After all, he was the one with first-hand experience of Jesus. Before Jesus' death, John records some happenings that involved Thomas. Look at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Jesus is best friend, a family that he loved, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he gets news that Lazarus is ill. And that means he would have to go back to where he's going from, where they want to stone and they want to kill him. And he waits a couple of days, and then he gets news that Mary and Martha are calling for him, but that Lazarus has died. And Jesus decides, although he knew well ahead of time that this was going to happen, I guess, that he will go back into the danger zone where they want to kill him because he needs to go and tend to this family of friends. But there were protests amongst the disciples, yet the only one who spoke up was the one we call the doubter. It was Thomas who came to Christ's defense. He says in verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. Was this the voice of a doubter? No. This was the voice of one who had courage. And the only one who spoke up saying, we go, we're willing to die with Jesus Christ. Let's go. 
Now, that's something that I'll remember Thomas for. Not that he was a doubter, but that he was courageous. John also records an amazing question that Thomas asks Jesus in chapter 14. Jesus is talking about, in my father's house are many mansions. He's talking about going to prepare a place, and there are many rooms, and he says he's going to take the disciples with him. And Thomas, in verse 5, asks a question, but Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? He's inquisitive. He's still thinking. He's trying to work out how do these things take place? How does it happen? And Jesus answers with a scripture that is now quoted over and over and over again in Christendom. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So because of Thomas's question, we have that great word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he helps to bring an understanding of who Jesus is and what's about to happen. And that there is only one way. Is this? a picture of a doubter. It's really important that we understand that from a human point of view, we all have glitches in our lives. As I said, thoughts come morning, noon, and night into our minds. Thoughts that we can choose to take on or we can choose to dismiss. We can take on the labels that have been said about us and that people know us for. There was a time that um, I used to call myself Calamity Claude. Is that a good name? I kept dropping things. I still drop things. And breaking things. And in my head I began to, because I thought it sounded quite nice, let's go, Calamity Claude. What was I declaring over my life? What has been declared over your life. That you're a doubter, that you're a complainer, that you're an unforgiver, that you have no value, that you will come to nothing. Has a teacher said something about you? A person in authority over the years? A parent when you were a child or a sibling? and given you an idea that you've taken on, that you are this or you are that. Thomas didn't call himself a doubter. Mankind did. Are you calling yourself what other people are calling you? They're at home online. What are you thinking about yourself, saying about yourself? What have you heard other people say that you're agreeing with that you should not agree with? Others may have seen Thomas as a doubter, John simply recorded a happening. I call it a glitch. Thomas had incredible experiences with Jesus Christ, but he had a glitch. How many of us have a glitch or two in our lives? Does that make us the point of that glitch? Or are we not still who we are, learning and growing and developing, just like the disciples of Jesus Christ were? How did he finish 
as a doubter or as an apostle. As I said earlier, it is said of Thomas that he was a missionary. Well, that's not easy. You're going out to different places where Christ is not known. You're taking risks with your life. You're risking being hated for the gospel's sake. You're risking even being killed in some of the places that you might go to as a missionary. So this is not the story of somebody who is a doubter, but somebody who is courageous. Somebody who loved Jesus Christ, who stood for Jesus Christ and then was killed for Jesus Christ. He moved forward. He did great exploits for the Lord because he experienced the truth and then he had this amazing revelation. And that knockback of doubt didn't stop him. We who believe are called blessed because we believe and have not seen. And we are blessed because we've heard the word preached and we have the Holy Spirit in us, the presence of God to guide and to lead us. We're never going to stop hearing the voices of doubt in our minds. We're never going to stop coming up against issues that remind us of what we may have been in the past, but we need to fight those doubts. We need to deal with them. We need to remove them from our minds so that we can be all that God has called us to be. And just like Thomas, who replaced the doubt with truth and went on to do great exploits for the Lord, so should we. He moved from doubt. He fulfilled his purpose as a chosen apostle of the Lord. What about us? Are we going to stay in blockage because our minds believe a lie? Or are we going to move on and live for Jesus Christ? Are we going to allow a small part of our life to become the reason that our faith grows weak or that we stop? Or are we going to be like Thomas, who ended well for Jesus Christ? What will the world say about you right now? And what will the world say about you in the future as we serve Jesus Christ together? As I close, I would like to pray just about breaking off the chains that bind us, the labels that we wear, and the blindness that we have so that our eyes are opened. Let me ask you to stand here as I pray for us today. Join us at home online as you're watching. Father, in Jesus' name, we've heard something of Thomas, a chosen one, and we today are chosen people. We gave our lives to you, many of us. And yet we stumble at times. But I pray today that every chain of bondage in our minds will be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that every lie that we have believed will be refuted and diminished and disappear and cast out of our minds in the name of Jesus Christ. Every label that we have continued to wear that has been given us by man 
be broken now in the name of Jesus Christ. The only identity we have is the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for us. Let our eyes be opened and no longer blind. That the only thing we have that matters is the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is where we find our identity. That the Holy Spirit walks with us, has been given to us, promised to us, leads us, guides us, speaks your word to us, your truth to us. So I declare in the name of Jesus Christ today that everyone under the sound of my voice will believe the truth of Jesus Christ, will believe the power of his death and resurrection on the cross, and that we have been bought with a price and belong to him, and that his Holy Spirit tells us who we are and not man in Jesus' precious name.